Welcome to Corner of Hunter and George, episode number 23. On this episode, we're going to be talking with Dylan DeMarsh, a.k.a. Morgellina. Dylan, outside of music, has been a community organizer for a number of years with PARN, Peterborough's Aid Resource Network. He's also uh, tried to feature his own Brave New Words, which was a local PR communications agency. But more importantly, he's been a member of Steelburner, headed by Jill Stavely and Matthew Watson. And he's now put out a number of releases under the name of Morgellina, seven different releases on Bandcamp, plus a number of singles coming out every Monday right now on SoundCloud that range from the dark ambient to the sort of field recordings to just the upbeat dance music in an instrumental kind of electronic digital way. So here's my interview that I had with Dylan DeMarsh, fascinating figure of Peterborough's modern music scene. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Tim. Hi, Dylan. How are you doing tonight? Oh, not too bad. Uh, yeah, I'm not the best at reminding people when things are on, but uh, it's, good. No, it's, good it's, thing, it's good thing you caught up on it anyway. So, yeah, this we kind of arranged yeah. it a few weeks ago. But, uh, um, yeah, but I had have... a pretty busy couple of weeks of work, and so I just got caught up on some stuff over the weekend and realized that he knows in there. So it's all good. Okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I know exactly how you feel. But, uh um yeah well it's uh it's a great pleasure having you having you uh having the chance to talk to you yeah um i guess uh there's this may just as be as uh, much of a learning process for me as anything else but uh i've kind of picked up you haven't really you know i think it's kind of obvious you haven't really always been involved in making music um a lot, a lot of your life. So, uh, is there anything sort of that's maybe like gotten you into your musical projects, especially the last year or two? It seems like you've been putting them out at like a rapid fire pace, kind of almost. Yeah, I've been playing. Um, you know, I've played in bands off and on since I was fourteen. Always, uh, you know, played guitar in some bands um, up until. Even with, during the COVID pandemic, I, I played bass in a band called Steelburner with uh, Jill Stavely, Matt Watson, and my brother Adam. So I, I have that sort of stuff happening. Um, but really, just before the pandemic hit, I just started trying, just started recording some stuff. I had some software that I had gotten from my brother and just started playing around. And 
you know, after a while, I, I just got inspired to to put it out, right? Like I've created a lot of stuff in my life that I've never shared. I've just been just didn't think it was ready, didn't want to share it. And at this point, I just figured, you know, life's pretty short and uh it's pretty you know, it's not super accessible music. There's not going to be a huge audience for it out there, but I can put it out, see if people enjoy it. And, and when they do, that's great. Right. That's a really good feeling to get that. Uh, I'm just getting used to these digital platforms of music in the last couple of years and, and getting used to that feeling when someone hits that like button, it's a nice feeling that someone appreciated it. So yeah, that's basically it. So the last couple of years, I had a lot of stuff. Um, I had a lot of time over the last couple of years. Um, I was working from home. My kids have gotten a bit older. Just some time freed up that I hadn't had in, a, in a 20 years, maybe. So I just, I've been putting that towards music. Right. Um, well, it's interesting to say, too, about uh, the discovering the software, which we might get into. But uh, from what I know mm. about playing with Steelburner and Jill Stavely, that definitely is more of a, a you know, a folkier kind of, uh, instrumental kind of experience now versus this, where you've just, uh, you know, you're doing it more in a digital software kind of format. Is, uh, is that kind of like a natural transition for you or? I've kind of moved gradually more and more towards the, the electronic stuff over the last few the earliest stuff I was recording was, you know, guitar, um, a lot of guitar and that's what I knew how to play. And that's what I had access to um, and a Casio. Um, and so I was getting okay. sounds I could have a Casio to make those first few recordings. And over time, uh, and you know, those were like, I was making this weird, really sludgy metal kind of stuff at the time. The first few things I put out there, mm. um, it was the RPM challenge that just got me to start thinking a bit more about, uh, maybe writing songs, <laughs> um, and, and putting stuff together. And I had this, this, the equipment to do it. So the, the RPM challenge, uh, the first year of the pandemic, I think, was the year just before the pandemic started, 2020. Um, I already got those first few recordings out, um, did the RPM challenge, really liked doing it. Um, and that's where uh, I started thinking about getting better equipment, right? So I had the digital stuff, and I've always wanted an analog synthesizer. Like, that's something I've always just been fascinated by. Um, and I had the opportunity to get one. It made sense to get some better equipment, so I grabbed that. And that's made the huge difference for uh, for the music. I think it makes me want to make more bleeps and bloops and electronic sounds and, and that kind of stuff. So um, to me, though, you know, music is music, right? And mm-hmm. and I still kind of like to play around with different styles of music, um, though definitely uh, uh, I'm going to grab the synthesizer every time I have a chance to pick up an instrument right now. Right. And it's also kind of a change from like a band format to like a solo sort of format as well. Um, yeah. Which is got Yeah. And also like, um, it's the performance name you're using of, uh, Morgellana where, like where, what's, is there any certain uh, story behind the name or not? Just, just random. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was sort of a play on, uh, the, uh, Morgellons. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, yeah. Phenomenon Morgellons. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, I just, I thought I would, I would just take the ass off because there's no such word as Morgellon. Right. And mm-hmm. it would be a great, uh, be a good name. And it would just kind of sound mysterious. And, uh, 
somebody sent me a message one day. There's a death metal band from Hamilton who also had the exact same idea of removing that uh, S. And, you know, they're probably nice people. Actually, I don't know if they're nice people. By the song names, I don't know. And uh, I was very concerned. I did not want to be confused with them. (laughs) I did not want to keep their name either. So I just, uh, after a lot of... uh, a lot of deliberation. I just added an A to the end and kept going with Margellana now. So another made up word. I can't see anyone else having done that, but who knows? Okay. Now they're just having to do anything. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it definitely seems to work and definitely, uh, it gives you your kind of own individual, uh, name to go by it's not unlike well yeah. besides a death metal band in hamilton it's it's <laughs> unlikely to be copied so yeah um yeah now just on the uh, technical side which admittedly i have my limits but um what is it this what software did you discover that made you kind of really um want to want to take this approach to music and also like uh is it kind of was it kind of at first a bit like you know you know, you're, you're seven discovering Lego, like just a lot of things just for the sake of the fun of it or that sort of thing. Experimentation. Yeah. And three years in, it's still that, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. still just, I I don't have a lot of technical knowledge. What I have is an amazing brother who's, um, you know, he's built himself a studio in his house. He's uh, a really great musician and he's got a lot of technical expertise. So I can reach out to him if I have questions on stuff, but Largely, I just like playing with it. And so he had set me up a few years ago um, with Sonar. So uh, uh, that's the recording uh, software I'm using right now. And I, I think it's actually not even being made anymore. I don't even think it's supported at this point, but it works for me. It's what I know. Um, I also like uh, FL Studio a lot. So I use that for a lot of my uh, drum uh, programming. So they have a really great 808 and 909 emulators. I try to just use 808 and 909 sounds for everything mm-hmm. I do. Um, and then uh, I'm using um, some of the FL Studio plugins I'll use on some stuff. I, I find that they can sound really good. And then I'm trying to use my analog synth as much as possible. So just recording into the, the digital auto workstation through that. Um, and that's my basic setup. And then I can, you know, I can record anything I have into there, guitar and bass, um, and, and yeah, and I, you know, I'm not the greatest guitar player or bass player. Right? I play in bands and playing those instruments, but um, mm-hmm. never been super comfortable at them. Um, but, you know, recording at home this way, I, if it takes me 15 takes to get something, it takes me 15 takes. And if it's two o'clock in the morning and I can't sleep, I got the time to do it. So mm-hmm. it works. Okay. That's good. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one, one aspect of uh, your non-musical life uh, kind of was uh interested in like because you once uh you had a position with them i had it written down but i don't have it with me now but anyway you've been involved a lot with parn uh yeah peter rose resource network and um mm-hmm. is there any experiences you've taken from that uh, that have kind of influenced the music you've done um big time mm-hmm. yeah so a lot of um a lot of it was a response to that. It's, it's hard work, right? The people who work at Parn, I no longer work there. Um, um, I worked there for about 12 years. And the people who work there are doing uh, some of the hardest work in this community. What I consider to be, you know, harm reduction work right now in, in Peterborough is the most important work that I think is happening in this community, uh, responding to the opioid crisis. The way they do, um, 
is incredible. And then there's a number of organizations doing that work. But for me, I needed something. I needed distraction at times from the work. And, and music was something that I was able to, uh, to jump into for that. And, and I need inspiration for the music I make too, right? And um, the people I worked with, some of the most amazing people I ever met in my life. And, you know, <laughs> I put out a song two weeks ago, I think, that was inspired by, by a woman I worked with, Carolyn, who's now um, working in the Safe Supply Project in Peterborough, which is you know, such a, a big piece of the work. And so people inspire me to, to make music. These issues inspire me to make music. Um, but oddly enough, you know, I, I did a record uh, that I put out called Call of the Void a few years ago that was mm-hmm. really a response to, to the opioid crisis and the way I was feeling about it at the time and the tremendous loss that, that so many people in this community have experienced in the last few years and the real fear that people are, are experiencing in this community. And um, I tried to capture that in that record and when i think back on it it's just such a weird thing to do <laughs> um, the, the, the you know i think that's kind of why I've, I've moved into this you know basically making dance music right now right like yes um, i don't i don't want to this world is is a pretty awful place right now there's there's a lot of of scared people out there and there's a lot of real terror out there and and i think at this point I want to contribute more to making somebody happier in a moment of pain rather than trying to make somebody feel pain. Right. Like that is such a weird feeling. So I love the music I made for that. It was kind of the end of doing that kind of music, but it's, it's, it's a weird concept to me to try to like, here's some pain. I feel you should feel it too. And I just. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and they, you definitely see that in uh, some of your earlier like uh, work, work you were doing like in 2020 or 2021 that seems a lot mm-hmm. different than what I've been hearing what we've been putting out presently. So, and, and yeah, I don't want to be on the, the uh, dark side of life for the, this whole discussion, but I'm just curious on your take on this since you were with them for such a long time. I was hearing this fascinating discussion the, the other day about just modern drug use in general and things mm-hmm. like how, um, you know, unlike even just several, like a decade ago where there were still like agricultural fields needed and opium and things like that pretty much every all drug use especially with this fentanyl thing is basically synthetic it can be done yeah. in a lab it can be done we don't need farm fields anymore and also no. the reasons drugs of course have always been with us but like sort of the reasons it's taken say like what uh well my parents because they were uh, boomers anyway um like this sort of like timothy o'leary like dreaming of a better life for the world and kind of hallucinogenic mm-hmm. experiments it's kind of like just like you want to 
basically, you know, escape from your own life because it's so uh, harrowing and kind of uh, there's so many things around it, like not just homelessness, but definitely that's a big factor. So I just, I don't know if you have the, you can sort of connect with anything I'm saying there, but. Uh, yeah, for sure. And there are, you know, there's a confluence of factors that are contributing like to this crisis, but are contributing mm-hmm. to addictions in general. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I do think what we're seeing is a massive trauma response. Um, mm-hmm. The people are self-medicating pain and that's not everybody who uses drugs. Right. And I think that's yeah. important to, to know that like some people are using drugs because drugs can be fun or, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's why they're using it. But, but I think for the, a lot of people who are at risk right now of an opioid poisoning, it's, 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 it's these factors that go even beyond, right. There's, there's initial traumas that may have caused an addiction, but then there's the, the ongoing trauma of the stigmatization that we constantly see in this community around, around drug use and around people who use drugs and, self-worth is crucial right and and when people want you know when when people say that the answer is a rehab or you know getting clean quote unquote you know those are great goals and if that's what people want to choose that like and people will choose that when they're ready to choose it um but man we're just pushing people away with the attitudes that we have towards people right and in a community Mm -hmm. that that people are dying and it's like twenty thousand people in canada and since 2015 like these are massive numbers and and real people like you know the, the, there's 40 to 50 people dying in Peterborough every year right now of, of opioid poisonings and mm-hmm. the great community response that's happening at the ground level um we've seen some action from provincial and federal governments but I think <clears throat> you know I mentioned the safe supply program earlier that the, the, the pilot that's happening in this community and to me that's the answer if you know if meat was poisoned in, in this country we'd take it off the shelves and we'd put safe meat right we would have a safe supply of of everything when tylenol was being poisoned back in the 80s that they changed the packaging and ensured that no one was going to be poisoned from 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 tylenol so it's it's not a simple answer but to me i think that's really the piece we we treat this as a public health issue not a criminal issue and and we focus on meeting people where they're at meeting those needs that 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 have been unmet for so long whether it's housing whether it's um other social supports yeah yeah, no, I, I feel that's a really important point about, like, uh, um, yeah, when when I was young, yeah, too, the, these Tylenol poisonings were happening. And, mm-hmm. and, of course, yeah, they just took them off the shelves. But uh, because with you know, the street market is kind of, un, it's unregulated and yeah. people never really know exactly <laughs> what they're getting into. And, yeah. um, and never mind, like, you know, uh, you're talking about yeah yeah the attitudes of Peterborough, which Peterborough certainly is not alone in, but like this kind of us mm-hmm. and them. Well, if you have like a some young teenagers say you're experimenting with Xanax, they may be getting into something more than just that, and that you know yeah. they may be exposed to similar things. So, um, well, and that's the thing with the, the fentanyl issue, right? Is that mm-hmm. the the amount of it in the community and it's not just in um what people think are opioids it's in what people consider party drugs too right so we're yeah. we're losing people to cocaine and and yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh well anyway thank you for that point there um so yeah so back to what i was saying about like how like some of your stuff you were doing a, a year or two ago was kind of a lot darker than what i've been hearing lately mm-hmm. um I just uh, what you said about uh, on the on the line. Uh, I think you're is, is a uh, this is maybe when you started to maybe uh, 
make it maybe a bit brighter, but your comment about how is the uh, disco record about auto work? I don't know. I don't know mm. if you can ex explain that that at all. Yeah. Um, there's a, a really great historian from Peterborough, Jeremy Malloy, um, who wrote a book. It's, oh, it's got to be 10 years old at this point now. I'm called Blood, Sweat and Fear. And so what he did was he kind of took the, um, you know, this idea in the 80s of going postal, right? When this, when shooting started happening at work, essentially, and there's a sudden new thing that was happening. And, and Jeremy's work just kind of looked at, you know, violence in the workplace um, has existed forever for myriad reasons. Um, and so what he examined was auto plants in Windsor and Detroit in uh, the 1960s and 70s. And just it, just sort of it's this really in-depth investigation, examination of, of the violence that was happening, the factors that led to it, the responses from the employers, you know, the big auto workers to this stuff. Um, and actually Jeremy's work now, he's, he's looking at similar things around drug use and the responses of employers to, to drug use in the 60s and 70s, uh, particularly around opiates and stuff like that. It's really interesting stuff. So I find when I'm making the instrumental music that I need um, some kind of inspiration, right? I need to have a theme of some kind just to like, even if I can only hear it, you know, a lot of people aren't going to necessarily hear the things I'm, I'm thinking of as I'm creating these, these pieces, but I wanted to almost write a soundtrack to Jeremy's book, right? So um, I'd also, you know, I'm really into that first era of like Detroit techno music from the early 1980s, Juan Atkins mm -hmm. and those guys. And uh, right. and so I kind of tried to start incorporating, I just got the analog synthesizer as well. So all these things kind of came together where I was like, you know what, I'm going to try and, and, and honor this book of, of, of Jeremy Moyes and just write a soundtrack to it essentially. And it, uh, it, 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 it almost worked. I think I came close to capturing something of his work there, though. I, I, I think I kind of missed it a bit, but yeah, it's, it's a disco record about auto work. And deep down, it's, you know, it's someone working the line. Um, the, the more kind of techno parts of that record are representing his, uh, his work day and the more kind of housier elements of that kind of Chicago escaping from Detroit kind of piece. It's the story I created in my head that nobody else would get, but um, <laughs> So that's that there. Yeah. Uh, really great book. And so I'm always trying to find those things that will kind of get me to, to, to capture a theme or something like that.
I like your intellectual ambitions put out into your music there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But no one will hear it. So it does, it's not as pretentious as it sounds. I hope. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't sound pretentious. No, no. I think that, uh, yeah, no, I, I find that quite interesting. You're kind of the, the, yeah, the this Detroit sound of the eighties. Yeah. Um, now, regardless of like, yes, besides obviously your own circumstances that influenced what your first uh, sounds you're putting out, um, Peterborough itself, though, has a bit of a relationship with these dark ambient music. If you're talking about like, uh, well, BP Hughes, uh, obviously, yeah. Anonymous Shrew, and there's others. Uh, I don't know. Do you think there's anything sort of any connection there? Maybe of our industrial history, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's this lingering aspect of, of Peterborough's industrial history. Maybe it's just the the specter of whatever's happening up at the old GE, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's also, I think, you know, there's something neat about, um, about this city, right? Like, it's a, it's a really interesting place. And, and I grew up here for a while, and I left for about 15 years before I came back. Hmm. And I, I know the city changed a bit for sure, but it was also kind of always like this do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's a lot of duality to this community there's a lot of kind of not looking uh in those corners maybe only to point every once in a while but like there's a lot of fear when you hear people talk about downtown right like yeah people are terrified of downtown peterborough and it's you know it's it's a it's a safe place you can walk around downtown peterborough safely um, but if you look on on the Facebook comments on an Examiner article, you 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 think you'd be terrified to go there, and so mm-hmm. I think there's something about that about just investing almost like a Twin Peaks this David Lynch is kind of like you know investigating the the darkness under the uh, under the city here the the attitudes of the city. Um, yeah, I don't know in that new Garbage Face record. Have you heard it? Yes, I, I just was playing it this past weekend on my uh, radio yeah. show. So yes, yeah. The, the ambient side of that, or yeah. that, you know, the side is just in, like absolutely incredible stuff. So yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. yes, second track. I think that goes for almost twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, so, I definitely think there might be something to that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's too just you know it's it's weird. Um when I think people used to think of this community as like a rock and roll town too, right? Like mm-hmm. 15 years ago when it was the burning hell and Tarantula and all these like really great, great rock and roll bands playing, right. playing in Peterborough. And uh, yeah, I think Peterborough's maybe got more of a mark as like uh, maybe a bit more of an avant-garde town now than it used to be. So. Yeah. Well, there's, ma- there's many sides to Peterborough, but I do think one important one is uh, yeah. What we're, what, uh, um, we're talking about i don't know if there there is something there i don't yeah you're right it's quite unique you don't really pick this up on a lot of other faceless suburbs that i've lived in in the past but uh yeah um, um now one individual uh project you did not too long ago i think this year's rpm challenge uh was uh mm-hmm. your collaboration with uh, qnac um or qna um, Q&A. Yes, Q&A. Uh, and yes, Q and A. And yeah, I really liked. I really liked how that uh, how how that sounded. I just um, was trying to write down words that I could uh, d- describe it, but I don't know. I was kind of kind of left coming up with any specifics. But as I was, is there anything you can say about that collaboration you did? That was a lot of fun, and um, so that's uh, my brother actually plays in that band. He's a guitarist in that band. Um, a uh, guy named Brad who plays bass and uh, Lauren on keys, Alana on 
drums. And so we, we talked about working on something together forever. And so when the RPM came up, we, we decided to do it. Um, uh, the bass player in Q&A, you know, he's, uh, I can never tell with him, right? Him and I both love metal. I don't know if he likes the dancey stuff I'm doing too much, but he, he listens to it. But I thought I'd honor him with that too. And just, and make something that kind of, you know, had that ambient piece and then just got heavy. Um, I wanted to see what it was like to record, trying to mix all those sounds together. Um, I had a, a fondness. I'm not really big on ministry posts like 1991. They got really heavy and really big, but there was a sweet right. spot in the late eighties where we had this like good mixture of loud guitars and, and, and lots of electronic elements going on. And so trying to capture that and, uh, you know, it came out there, there. I think there's some recording issues when you have a month. I would have liked another couple of weeks with that one, um, just to maybe get some of the sound issues a bit smoother in it. Um, would have loved to redo my vocals a few times, but um, it is what it is. And, you know, it was fun. Uh, the B side on that, I also love. Um, one of my favorite things I've done, the uh, the Cough Blood on the Moon thing. It's a mm-hmm. sample I've played with forever but, um, from a high school confidential. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to get that in there. And the creepy crawling, you know, I got weirdly um, really interested in the, the whole Charles Manson thing. Um, the whole Charles Manson thing, that sounds weird. But, um, you know, I'd read Helter Skelter when I was a teenager. And somebody mentioned right. to me um, a few years ago that that book was mostly crap, right? Like, that's not really the story of what happened. And it was way more complicated. And, you know, there are really great, couple of great books that are like really great social cultural studies of like the late 1960s and so um it's about you know some kids who who, who got to the charles manson uh <clears throat> to the spawn ranch and uh realized some things were wrong and got the hell out just before <laughs> some bad things really started to happen so uh creepy crawling is um you know that's what before they got into murder that's what manson was having his followers do so they would just sneak into people's houses in the middle of the night and move stuff around and then leave Mm-hmm. just to put people on edge so yeah so i had a lot of fun doing that. i think that's what the rpm is great for is just trying something different trying something new um i mean i love it so much i really encourage anyone anyone musician or not like just try something in february next year it's it's worth it yeah no well i could speak as a listener of a lot of it i got like so much wealth of uh, like material from that uh, that I just I haven't even got through all of it yet and it was put out you know what like four or five months ago now so yeah yeah, yeah um, I spent the morning I, I spent a morning after it came out just going through and trying to hear all the Peter Rush stuff right because it's mm-hmm. it's been weird there's no live music the last few years so that was his first opportunity it was like going to a a festival almost and checking out all these bands in one spot like just one list of those RPM contributions it was fantastic yeah no, I, I definitely can second that. Um, I, I just, I remember several, it's maybe a little under a decade ago, the first time I was around Laurel Canyon. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I picked up much from, I, I didn't go to his, like, I don't think I went to any key spots or anything, but just, uh, I guess it just sort of reminded me how, like, uh, with all the, you know, bright sunshine, there's always sort of a, not necessarily Charles Manson, but there's always like a, darkness close behind kind of thing sort of that that kind of exactly duality i guess in humanity the whole vibe is soundtracked by the beach boys right (laughs) yes that's right yeah that's right yes yeah there's yeah yeah for every brian uh mans or wilson i mean there's always one charles yeah yeah 
Um, now, something else with your rapid pace of putting things out, you, uh, there was State of the Art. Uh, State of the Art Bell was put out, I believe, in February. Yeah. Um, and that definitely, um, yeah, that had a huge amount of uh, creativity and definitely had like an upbeat vibe to it. Um, mm -hmm. And um, did you, uh, I don't know, when, you, when you've been, well, uh, yeah, I want you to say something about that per, that uh, piece in particular, but just um, wh what is, you were saying a bit of it at the beginning, but if you just, uh, or is it just like, like you're saying it's a bit of a flourish of creativity during COVID, but also is it, are you finding a bit of a need to have like constant production come out at this, at this time or? Not so much. It's, it's, I guess there's a weird thing, right. With no, um, no editor outside of my brother, right. Who I can send, mm -hmm. send stuff to and be like, is this worth putting out? Is this good enough to put out? Um, and I kind of look at it from two ways, right? Like it's, I want to share it. If I think it's good enough to share, I'm going to share it. Um, I'm not putting out big, long records or anything. They're usually pretty short EPs, a couple song collections that, I, that I'm putting out there. Um, and then I've just produced so much in the last two years is a big part of it. Like it's been a, I got files and files. That's what I'm doing this summer. So I think this summer I'm putting out a song every Monday on my SoundCloud page. And that's just to clear out yep. some archives and stuff that I had you know, maybe didn't fit with a theme or like some theme I was trying to come up with, you know, just some individual songs. And it's been kind of nice. And I think I've, uh, the one that'll come out um, on the first is the only new piece I've written for the summer, right? Like everything's just old pieces that I'm just trying to clear out the archives. So I kind of look at it as a, um, you know, like dance music productions, like in the 1990s, right? Like in the UK, those people were just putting out a single a week, right? It was just, as you make it, you take it down, you get a, uh, you get a plate made, you take it to the club and, it, and it's happening. Right. And I'm almost looking out like that way. It's I'm not making, um, um, big artistic record statements, really. I'm just, just trying to get some songs out there. Okay. And, uh, with, um, yeah, state of the art, uh, state of the art bell. Was that, is that, uh, was there something like completely different that you did with that than you did with on the line or? Yeah. So a lot less um, synthesizers with it. I had, mm -hmm. I had this collection of songs that didn't seem to fit with anything there as well. But then as I was listening to them, they kind of fit together in this weird way, even though there were some disparate styles happening in there. I had these um, um, pieces sitting around for a couple of years, actually the, the weird kind of, um, Angelo Badalamenti style Twin Peaks ish kind of instrumental pieces in there. And, um, and there was just, there was something that was happening that they just kind of fit for me. Um, and the real key to that one though, was that my, my partner, Sarah had written, I thought two really beautiful songs um, in the, we've all got it coming. And uh, that last one, aching cold to me is just like, that's just gorgeous. And, um, and I wanted to get those out there. I think she deserves, she puts up with me, um <laughs> making music all the time and the racket and the repetition and um I, I wanted to 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 get those songs out so people could hear those and I just had some some pieces I could connect together and I wrote a couple extra little pieces in January that just sort of blended the the piece I think in an effective way and uh yeah I really love that one I love the title um nobody gets it but I just I think it's 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 so perfectly like you know, where I think are these like 
funny in jokes for me. And as long as I laugh at it, that's all that really matters. So state of the art bell is a tribute to the uh, late great host of coast to coast AM art bell. Um, okay. Who I uh, love very much and miss dearly uh, a huge inspiration on Morgellon for sure. First time I would have heard Morgellons was from the uh, coast to coast program. So okay. bring it all back together. alternative kid or or whatever right and you you stuck with your people and you listen to that kind of music and that's just, that's what determined who you were and I watch my kids and none of that stuff matters right like mm-hmm. they like whatever they like and um to me that's that's just kind of what I do with the music I whatever I like I'm gonna make and if I can right I'm gonna try it and you know trust me there's been a lot of things I tried in the last couple of years that did not work and we'll never see the light of day <laughs> Okay. Well, everything I think you've put out has definitely worked for me anyway. And I think it uh, definitely seems uh, like it's uh, definitely success. And it's always always said sort of something new. Um, Are you sort of, I mean, regardless of uh, who you are, like when you're putting something out, it kind of um, says something about maybe the environment you live in. Although mm-hmm. one could say pop music deliberately does the opposite. It tries to sound as generic as possible, regardless of circumstance. Mm-hmm. But uh, are you sort of thinking kind of in an individual way when you put things out? Or are you, are you also trying to sort of trying to try to capture a bit of how you see society around you when you're doing these things? That definitely, I think that plays into everything, right? Like I, I believe all art is political. Um, I believe that art that does not include politics is making a political choice not to include, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so to me, um, my environment is impacting everything I do is it's impacting every choice I make. Um, and whether that's, you know, having kids or whether it's working in downtown Peterborough, right? Like those things are all, um, pieces that affect my psyche, pieces that affect my, my mental health and, and my happiness and in both ways, right? Like it, good for for good and bad and that's going to influence the music I make and and I also think you know I said earlier I want people to dance to my music right I don't want people to be depressed but I do want to make music like when when I do include words I want them to make people think right Mm -hmm. or at least not be 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 kind of pointless I think it's I really think there is it's it's almost like it's it's hard for me to decide right like 
it's almost like an abdication to say, I just want people to dance, <laughs> right? Like there's so much horror in this world and everyone should be using their voices to, you know, to shout the trans rights or human rights and land back and like really important things. And if I have a platform, even to 25 people on SoundCloud at some point, am I, am I a bad ally for not using my voice even there? Right. Like it's, it's, it's pretty being creative is, is somewhat selfish act. That's, then weirdly you giving something out <laughs> into the world. Right. And so right. anyway, so I, I think about these things all the time, but I, I really also, you know, I think I, I, I want as many people as possible to hear my, I want as many people as possible to hear my music. I'd love for it to, to gain a wide audience. So I, I'm very realistic about, you know, the, the niche that I may be filling here <laughs> that there's not really an audience for it. So I'm not going to, worry too much about probably about preaching to an audience that may never exist so. right well well you've now put like is it uh, four or five singles out on soundcloud on your site mm-hmm. and uh so whatever your what what on a pragmatic level are your like plans because i was, i thought you're it was you were saying that you were going to put these together in some sort of album format later this year okay yeah, I'll probably compile them in the fall. And then like for the first time in in two and a half years, I have no plans. I don't know mm-hmm. what the next thing is. I'm I'm I really like this summer as far as just like not binding myself to some bizarre thematic idea that I came up with that no one else is gonna care about, right? This is just putting out songs and and maybe that's what it is. It's just using that SoundCloud page and and putting out songs when I have them for the next little while. Or you know, maybe tomorrow morning while I'm having toast, some brilliant idea comes to me and I need to write a six song cycle about, I don't know, <laughs> my turntable or something. So right. we'll see. Now, back to your, uh, like, uh, at least your professional beginnings in music, like Steel Burner mm-hmm. with Jill Stavely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you definitely got, you know, I'm sure your share of live experiences there. Do you have any wanting of doing that yourself in a solo sense? Um, I didn't at first. I thought that uh, Steel Burner, Steel Burner was, a, was, was getting that live thing out there. I was making music I didn't ever think I could play live. Um, but we played, Steel Burner played a couple months ago, our first show over at Sadler House in two years. Mm-hmm. And man, that was fun. I forgot how fun it is to play live music. I'd really forgotten that in two years since we'd played and so now I'm thinking about with this every once in a while, I'm thinking, how could I, you know, how could I make this work? Who could I recruit to help me? You just pull off one show. I think would be a lot of fun to do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to try. I'm really going to try. Uh, and, you know, having Jill, like playing that band with Jill and Matt and my brother is amazing. And Jill is one of the most, you know, incredibly talented people I ever met in my life and one of the most supportive people I've ever met in my life. And, Jill is one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing right now, like inspired me to do um, just to put stuff out there. And, you know, Jill's someone else I've run stuff by a few times to be like, is this, am I going to embarrass myself here? <laughs> that kind of stuff. So having a, having someone as talented as Jill Stavely living in Peterborough, like people are taking this for granted. <laughs> You've got to go see Jill, not just because I'm in the band, but come see Jill perform. Matt's amazingly talented, but Jill writes these songs that are just, you know, I, I'm not writing songs in the same way Jill is, but um, it's, it inspires me. And, and I'm, I learn a lot from Jill about structuring things. And 
and putting yourself out there. Like Jill writes very personal songs and about her, her personal life and her children and these things that like, you know, when I just, when I think about putting myself out there, um, I, I look to people like Jill who do it and do it so bravely and do it so strongly. Like to me, that's, that's a big reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. Okay. And, um, and does your brother play live at all with his band or? They do play live. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they have anything coming up. I'm not sure. The last time they played, but they're cool. Like they're like this weird, like psychedelic, noisy, groovy kind of thing. They've got a, a, a bass player can light up his bass. It's amazing. And oh. um, the, this keyboard player, Lauren, uh, he was one of the most talented musicians I've, I've ever encountered. The whole um, on Creepy Crawling, that whole long solo at the start. Um, is Lauren on, on the synth. And that's just like mm. fantastic stuff. So great band. And if they can start playing live again, that would be really good. I know they're working on a record as well. So hopefully that'll be out soon. Oh, okay. All right. Now just uh, f- for yourself, I, I hate sounding like, uh, like hundreds of other podcasts, but I do, it has a practical purpose. So if, mm-hmm. if people want to listen to your music, where do you suggest they turn to? So uh, morgellina.bandcamp.com. I think that's mm-hmm. how it's, spelled um but yeah definitely uh, band camp just search more gallon that's the place um and soundcloud i have a, a more gallon a sound soundcloud page um for the rest of the summer that'll be um there'll be a song up every week like i said i think i might use that a bit more going forward um i have a twitter account i think that's more gallon ptbo i didn't change that but you can find me on twitter um dylan demarsh on facebook too I, I post stuff on my own personal facebook page so you can find me there Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk to me. And uh, yeah, I learned uh, quite a bit and I've been, I've enjoyed a lot of what you've put out. Uh, I'll probably even have what uh, acid bath on my show this upcoming Saturday though. I think I will include that. So. Tim, right. And I have to tell you how much that means, Tim. Like um, yeah. I see your tweets, I see the tweets I, and I, I um, like, it means a lot that you're playing the music that you're, you're playing my music, you're playing this local music. It's, having this kind of support knowing that people care about it is just that's the best feeling i could have so thank you for that
thank you to Dylan DeMarsh. That was more in, in, enjoyable interviews I've had. Someone who's uh, quite multifaceted as a person and as a musician. So this time is Steel Burner and with Mark Elena. Uh, he's been also one of the most, I couldn't help but include that adulation of him for me at the end there. He's been one of the most uh, like well-sought artists I wanted to put on my program, which is Saturday nights at 8 on trentradio.ca probably seven or eight times, even though I've only done that program a little over a year and a half. Anyway, look out for Corner of Hunter and George on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple, and I'll see you next time. Something else interesting or another interesting take on Peterborough, Ontario, Canada, and its indie spirit, or avant-garde presence. Thank you.